You are listening to the Tom Eliff Podcast. Tom Eliff pastored for 42 years and was also the president of the International Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Living Word Publications. Now, here is Tom Eliff. And look with me at the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. We're going to stand together. Just a few moments, we're going to read verse 15. We're moving through the commandments of the Lord. And, of course, the Lord has given these to the children of Israel, and this is the first rendering of these commandments. There's two other times later on, once when he carves them in stone with his hand, another time when Moses actually carves these out in uh, stone. And so, if you will, please stand with me, and let's look at this commandment. Exodus chapter 20. All right? Let's read it aloud here. And Tonight I'm speaking on this subject. Stealing, stop it. Stealing, stop it. And I know that you're probably saying to yourself, hey, Brother Tom, I'm not stealing. Well, you might discover this evening that there are some areas of your life where you are taking something that God has not entrusted to your care. As a matter of fact, he has specifically assigned that to someone else. And yet you are assuming responsibility for it. You might discover tonight that not giving a full day's work for a full day's wage is stealing, no matter how much you may think you are worth. I talked to a man one time and he said, well, I don't put in full time, but they don't pay me what they ought to. The problem is they paid him what they agreed to pay him and what he agreed to be paid for eight hours of work. And so not to work for eight hours and yet to get paid them for eight hours is to be a thief. Fudging a little bit on uh, your income tax is to be a thief. Just borrowing something that doesn't belong to you and getting so accustomed to using it that you never return it. And after a while, calling it your own is to be a thief. I talked to a man one time who said, when I go out with my truck, I always take an extra roll of duct tape and it always ends up missing. He said, the reason I take an extra roll is so I'll have one left for my own work. You know what he was saying? I've become accustomed to living among thieves. Are you one? There's a sense in which covetousness, which is going to be dealt with later on in these Ten Commandments, is also stealing. It's wanting something that doesn't belong to you before you take it. Are you stealing? Stop it. That's the commandment. Let's read aloud now this 14th verse, or rather a 15th verse of Exodus chapter 20. Let's say it aloud together. Thou shalt not steal. Let's say it again. Thou shalt not steal. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, my prayer is a prayer of faith, believing that tonight you want to open up our hearts, you want to open our spiritual eyes and ears so that we can see what is inherent in this commandment. Lord, we don't want to live in disobedience to the things that we know are on your heart that are principles that you have given us. And so, Lord, we pray 
that your Holy Spirit will bring conviction to our hearts. May we examine our lives. May we ask the question, Lord, am I stealing? If so, may we stop it. But Lord, I pray that more than that, you'll show us that there are deep issues here. You hold us accountable for our stewardship. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will show there's much more in these simple words than we ever might imagine. And I pray it in Jesus' wonderful and matchless and saving name. Amen. Thank you. Be seated, please. Keep your Bible open. Exodus chapter 20. We're thinking together tonight about this commandment, Thou shalt not steal. I remember sitting in a prison complex, separated from an inmate by a glass wall. One of the wardens in the prison had brought him in and was standing over against the corner, supposedly just out of earshot. And as we began to communicate through the little uh, holes in the plexiglass that separated us, he began to tell me about the events that led him to this time in prison. And he said, Preacher, I know that my mother and my father are very ashamed of me. Because he said, the truth of the matter is, what I did is something I know to be totally against everything that they taught me to do. The last thing they would have wanted me to do, preacher, would have been to have been a thief. He said, I'm not here for murdering somebody. He said, I'm not here for embezzling anything. But he said, the truth of the matter is, I'm here for stealing. And he began to tell me, it wasn't just some little thing, he began to tell me how he had developed a habit of taking to his own things that didn't belong to him. He said it began at school. He said, uh, then he said, I advanced from there to shoplifting. He said, my friends and I would go to grocery stores and we'd, we would just uh, uh, play a little game to see who could get out of the store with the most. And he said that, that seemed to be such a simple little thing to us. But he said as we got older, he said our, our prizes that we were seeking for became larger. And now he said, it's obvious that I'm going to spend this time here in jail. And he said, Brother Tom, he said, you know what's amazing to me about this? He said, in here, it's hard for a person to keep anything from being stolen. Isn't that interesting? He said, you would think that this would be the safest place that I could put things away and I would never get them taken from me. He said, but I'm constantly losing things, supposedly, things that I know really have been taken from me. And as I looked at him through this plexiglass, I thought to myself, and the thief, the devil, who has come but for to kill and to steal and destroy, has taken a great deal from him as well. He has taken his reputation. He has taken years from his life. He, the Bible, well, the Bible says the deceiver is the deceived. He thought he was fooling others. At the same time, he was being fooled himself. Well, you say, Brother Tom, I'll tell you, that just proves that this commandment is right. Thou shalt not steal. But you know something? There's a lot of stealing going on for which people will never, ever, ever be arrested. And that's really what I think is on my heart to speak to you about this evening. There are subtle ways that, that we don't provide what 
we're being paid to provide, that if we don't give the service we're being paid to, forget, to give. There are subtle ways. I mentioned a few moments ago people who, who don't put in a full day's work for a full day's wage. They never think of it really as stealing. You never really think of uh, uh, falsifying the figures on your income tax as being stealing, perhaps. But the truth of the matter is, it is stealing. And just like that man in prison, even the deceiver is the deceived, so are you deceived. If in any way you begin to think that something that belongs to others should really be yours instead, and because you want it and you don't think they're going to miss it anyway, it's perfectly okay for you to take it. Now, I would like to speak to you this evening really about four laws. We're going to look at the law regarding stewardship, the law regarding uh, sufficiency, the law regarding satisfaction, and finally, the law regarding stealing. And so I'm going to ask you, if you will, please, to give your attention to the Word of God as we look, first of all, at the law regarding stewardship. Now, I hope you'll get this. You'll never understand stealing unless you understand stewardship. So take just a few moments to think with me about this issue of stewardship. A steward is someone who has been given the responsibility of overseeing resources. These are resources that have been entrusted to him by his master, by his Lord. Now, who owns everything? Well, the Lord owns everything. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they who dwell therein. And so in our lives, God entrusts us with certain things. He entrusts us with time. He has given us abilities. He has given us financial resources. He has given us opportunities, whether it's at school or with a job. He has given us relationships. He's given to some children. He's given to others particular positions and responsibility. But all of these are things that the Lord has entrusted to us. We are stewards. Now, look this way for just a moment. I hope you'll get this. The steward has one responsibility, and that is to superintend the resources entrusted to him in a manner consistent with the desires of his master. In other words, the steward's responsibility is this, to find out the heart of the master and then superintend these resources according to the master's heart, according to the master's desires. And that's why you saw that verse of Scripture up there in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, where it says, Moreover, it is required of stewards that a man be found faithful. It doesn't say that a man be found rich, that a man be found well-to-do, that a man be found prosperous. He says, I have one requirement, and that is that you just be faithful in taking care of what I provide for you. You're a steward. Now, I don't want to park here long, but I do want you to get this central truth down. So write it down someplace in your heart. Here it is. God will judge your stewardship on the basis of how you have handled what he has entrusted to you. Now, look at this. He will not hold you accountable for what he does not entrust to you. Now, you're going to see how important this is in just a few moments because... There are many people who wish they had somebody else's money, 
somebody else's house, somebody else's job, somebody else's position, somebody else's opportunity, even somebody else's husband, somebody else's wife. There are always people in this world who look around, they say, you know, if I just had that, I think I could do a better job with it. I think I would enjoy it more than they would. I think I could handle it better than they would. God's not going to give you what he does not intend for you to have. And the law of stewardship is this. You are simply to be faithful with what he has entrusted to you. That's the requirement. And faithfulness means that you find the heart of God and you act in a way that's consistent with God's heart. Now, let me give you an example of this. Jesus, one day, with his disciples, was standing over against a wall watching as people came by and gave money in an offering. God always watches the offering. If you don't believe that, you just start reading the Scripture. God pays such close attention to at offering time. I mean, he's watching. He's looking at the offering. He's looking at people's hearts. I mean, that's just God. And I can show you abundant Scriptures that show, I mean, God paid attention to the offering in uh, the opening chapters of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, when Cain and Abel brought the offering. God was watching the offering. You look at Malachi. God's, he said, why in the world? He said, you're bringing to me the things that you don't want anyway. He, and God was looking at the offering. You look in the, in the Gospels, God's looking at the offering. In the church letters, God's looking at the offering. In the book of Revelation, why? Because our offerings are just one, they're just one, but one of many indications of how we're handling this stewardship job, you see? Whether we're operating consistent with his heart. And so here he was, he's leaning over against the wall. He had some of his disciples with him. Maybe they'd been to get a hamburger or something like that. And probably not a hamburger, maybe a beef burger. But anyway, they're over there, and uh, he's watching this offering. And these guys come by, and they start chunking stuff in. And the way that offering box was designed, it had a brass sort of a horn to it, like a bell on a horn. And uh, if the offering was given, I mean, thrown in just the right way, boy, it really clanged. And this poor lady came by, and she just put in such a little amount that just slid down there and dropped in, couldn't even hear it, and then she went away. And Jesus turned to these men, and he said, I have some news for you. That lady just gave more than anybody else here today. What? What do you mean she gave more than anybody else here today? Man, what in the world? How could you say Yes. He said, you know what he's saying? He said, she gave in a manner consistent with my desire. She gave everything she had. She trusted me with everything she had. You're not going to be held accountable for what you don't have. You're going to be held accountable for what you do have. That's the law regarding stewardship, all right? Now then there's the law regarding sufficiency. Now, we're going to get to the stealing in just a little bit, but you've got to understand this to understand why God would make one of the Ten Commandments pertinent to stealing. The law regarding sufficiency. There's a great verse of Scripture. It is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. And I want you to look at this Scripture. It is one of the Scriptures God used to bring us to this whole program of free in three. Here it is. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you so that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Now, here's the key. When a master 
takes on a steward and gives the steward a job. Now listen, the master is also committing himself to providing everything the steward needs to do the job right. Are you listening? When the master takes on a steward and says, look, I, I'm will, I want to hire you as my steward. I want to bring you on as a steward. And I'm going to entrust you. Are you listening now? I'm going to trust you with the watch care. You're going to look over these resources. But the master also says, now look, while you're doing that, I'm going to see that you have everything necessary to do it right. Did you know, and I hope you'll walk out of here with this truth in your heart, that what you have right now is what God can trust to you. You know, everybody looks out here and say, man, if I just had more, I deserve more, I want more. A lot of people said this way, why don't I have more? You have what God can trust you with. And if you don't have more, it probably is because God couldn't trust you with more. You wouldn't bring glory to his name. You wouldn't honor him with it. You have what God can trust you with. I'll tell you, one of the things, listen, when I get on my face and pray for free and three and see this incredible challenge that God has before us, I say, God, God, make our church trustworthy so that you could trust us with these resources. Because you have what God can trust you with. And here's the law of sufficiency. Just write it down. As the Lord of the steward, as the Lord of the steward, God, who's the Lord of the steward, will supply all my need. And to the extent that I am faithful in my stewardship, he will entrust me with greater opportunity. Jesus said this. He said, when a man finally really gets faithful with little, then I'll give him the opportunity to be faithful in much. And see, most of us sit around and say, Lord, if you'd just, if you'd just trust me with a bunch, I'd show you what a Captain Billy Whizbang Christian I'd be. And God says, I won't give it to you because you wouldn't do that. I am giving you what I can trust you with. And you know what we do? We sit down and we start manipulating. We start trying to figure out ways to get God to get us more, to figure out this, to figure out that. We get our families in trouble. We get our finances in trouble. We plant, we do all that. We, we begin to bet and borrow on the future. We do all these kind of things. And the reason we don't have it is because God knows we wouldn't handle it well. As the Lord of the stewards, God will supply all my need. And to the extent I am faithful in my stewardship, What's he going to do? He is going to entrust me with even greater opportunity. Well, we're not stealing yet, but we're headed there. The law regarding satisfaction. That's law number three. The law regarding satisfaction. The Bible says in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. In fact, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. I want to read that whole passage together. Tonight, 1 Timothy 
It's always hard to find in my Bible. I don't know about yours, but it's hard. I found it. Boy, I'm so glad. It makes me look so biblical. And I usually sort of fumble around. I can't ever, you know, get stuck in Thessalonians, and then I overturn, and uh, you're probably not doing that, but I am. All right, have you found it? Sure. It didn't take me but a minute. I'm sure it took you less. All right. First Timothy chapter 6. Here's what it says. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world. It's certain we can carry nothing out. You know, there's no U-Hauls, as they say, behind a hearse. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But notice this. But they that will be rich. Now listen to this. Here's what it means. When a, listen, when a person's preoccupation is becoming rich. When a person's goal is to be rich. He's not saying people who are successful and people who are rich. But when your consuming goal is to be rich. All right? They that will be rich, what's going to happen to you? Fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition because the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith. In other words, they coveted. They said, look, if I can be wealthy, I'm going to be the best Christian in that church. But the truth of the matter is, while they have given themselves to becoming wealthy, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I had a guy tell me one day, he said, Brother Tom, you're not going to see me for a couple of years. Those two years are what it's going to take for me to become the success I want to be. After that, my family's going to settle down. We're going to get involved in church. We're going to become faithful church members. He did become rich, but we never saw him again. Why? They that will be rich fall into many temptations, many snares, pierce themselves through with many sorrows, err from the faith. Is being wealthy a sin? No. As a matter of fact, God trusts people with what he can trust them with. But to have that as your passion, to have that as your consuming goal, so that you begin to manipulate, so that you begin to maneuver, godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, here's the central truth. Catch this. God's desire is that I be focused on him. God's desire is that I be focused on him. Content with what he provides and not covetous of what he is providing to others. Ooh, we're getting closer to stealing here because this is where it starts. See, stealing starts with me being covetous of what he's provided to others. They have that. I think I want that. Oh, that, they'll never miss that. I think I, I think I could use that. They'll never miss it in a million years and it would mean so much to me. And so God's desire is that I be focused on him and be content with what he has provided me and not covetous of what he is providing for others. I have known of any number of people, and I'll tell you what, I think all of us can be guilty of this, whose desire is to own, to possess something that other people want. Have you ever, have you ever thought about that? It becomes an underlying passion for everything we do. You know, the idea is, I wonder what other people will think of me when they see me with it or in it or wearing it or doing it or, or in, you know, I wonder what people think of me now if they could just see me. What would, as if getting other people to covet is the name of the game. You, you understand what I'm saying? 
Godliness with contentment is great gain. Doesn't mean you ought not to be energetic. Does not mean you ought not to be industrious. Does not mean you ought to do the best with the resources you have. It does not mean that God may make you uh, prosperous in ways nobody ever thought about it. But when it becomes your focus of attention and you begin to covet what other people have, then it becomes a sin. And it becomes the background for this final law. And that is the law regarding stealing. The law regarding stealing. And so let's look at it. Stealing. What does he say? Thou shalt not steal. You have it there in front of you. Exodus 20, verse 15. The law regarding stealing. Thou shalt not steal. You say, Brother Tom, I'd never do that. Brother Tom, I wouldn't steal. I'd never do that. Well, let's just run across some ways that you might do it. Have you ever taken something that uh, really didn't belong to you? It wasn't yours. God never entrusted it to you. But in your heart of hearts, you thought, I can handle this better than somebody else. Well, you see, I look around here and most people here would say, no, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't take something that didn't belong to me. Well, let's, let's get a little closer then. Have you ever really, in your heart of hearts, thought to yourself, you know, I really don't get paid what I'm worth. You know, I'm worth a whole lot more to this outfit than they're paying for me. And besides that, there's some benefits they're not providing for me. And so I'm going to figure me out a plan. I'll I'll just not work as hard, or I'll work fewer hours, or I'll just disappear while they're, they're calling on folks to volunteer. I'll just be gone. And you justify it in your mind by saying, well, they're not treating me right. Well, wait a minute. They're giving you exactly what they said they would. And you're supposed to give them exactly what you agreed to give them. Have you ever uh, just sort of upped the figures on your income tax here, your itemizing deductions and you thought to yourself, you know, eh, I only got records for this, but shoot, it's got to have been much more than that. And after all, ah, oh, it doesn't make any difference. I think I'll just add another 100 in here. I think I'll just add another 300 in here. Have you ever done that? That's stealing. Besides lying and a few other things, that's, that's stealing. That's taking something... It didn't belong to you. Uh, let, me, let me ask you this question. Uh, has somebody ever come to you and thanked you for something that uh, you really didn't have that big a hand in doing? I mean, you really weren't big, that much a part of it. And they just, they said, man, I'm so grateful. You know, you're so generous or you're so whatever. And, and uh, I'm so glad. And this, this was so wonderful to us. And, and you really weren't really the person's involved in that, but you just stole the credit. Well, you know, we just like to pray and 
be sensitive. You ever done that? Stolen credit? <sighs> hey guys, you ever down there where you work? Somebody, some lady who's working there and she's having a tough time at her job and I mean, and, and a tough time at home too. Maybe her husband's not talking to her and you get talking to her over at the, over the coffee pot and she says, you know, now I tell you what, I, I wish I could talk to my husband like I can talk to you. Well, he's sure a bozo for not giving you the attention. Oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, you're stealing. Her affection doesn't belong to you. By the way, what about you, ma'am? His affections don't belong to you either. You see, we have this idea that stealing is just going into somebody's backyard and getting something. But it's a lot more than that, isn't it? It's assuming responsibility for something God has not entrusted to you. Now here's the central truth, and I want you to write it down. I hope we can put it up on the screen here. The central truth that has to do with stealing. Anytime I take what is not rightfully mine. Now notice this. I am subject to the disciplinary act of God. That's number one. But further, I will reap the sad reward which is inevitable due to the law of the harvest. Now, let me say it again. All right, stay with me. And obviously, when I was typing this out, I didn't put it up on the PowerPoint, so they're not going to put it up there for you to look at. So just look up here. Anytime I steal, I, you know, you may get caught or may not get caught. It may not something be something there's a law against in the land. But the moment you do it, you will become subject to the disciplinary act of God. It means that you are neglecting the things He has given you to be steward over and assuming responsibilities over the things of the people or the privileges that someone else is to be steward over. So you get disciplined by God, number one. See, all that stuff that you get, it's not going to make you that happy anyway. It may go down sweet, but it'll turn sour in your stomach. That time you took off when the company didn't know, those hours you didn't work with, no, you're going to think you're going to really use those to God's glory? No, you won't. They'll be bitter in your life. God will discipline you for them. But more than that, you will also begin to reap the law of the harvest. The law of the harvest in Galatians 6 says, Be not deceived. God's not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And so if you sow theft, are you listening? You will be on the receiving end one day. And what you thought was so important for you to have, one day you'll lose. And I can't tell you the number of people 
who come to me and say, Brother Tom, I've lost everything. And preacher, I want to tell you, it started when I took what didn't belong to me. And I thought it was going to make me wealthy. Now I've lost much more than I ever took. Because, see, the law of the harvest says what goes around comes around later and greater. And so when you steal, you become subject to the disciplinary act of God. And part of it's going to be the inevitability of the law of the harvest. Why does God want you to, not me, to understand and to apply this commandment and abide, obey it in our lives? Why does he want to do that? Because he's got enough for every one of us to be stewards over. And what he gives us to be steward over is going to bring out the best in us. And what he doesn't give us to be steward over won't bring out the best in us. It'll bring out the worst in us. And stealing is one way you see the worst coming out when you try to steward something that doesn't belong to you. And so God's just giving you a favor here when he says, look, you want to have the kind of life that's blessed? Don't steal. And if you're stealing, stop it. Let's pray together. Father, how we thank you for loving us enough to give us these commands. How we thank you, Heavenly Father, for blessing us in such an incredible way and reminding us that we're stewards. Father, I pray that we will find, be found faithful as stewards. I pray that we'll understand that what we receive is what you can entrust to us. If we haven't received more, it's because you didn't find us faithful or are not finding us trustworthy. Father, I pray that in these moments that you will have used your word to sound the alarm to any person here, any one of us, who might be tempted to steal. Lord, when we think of the consequences, we think in terms of the earthly consequences. We see that guy behind those prison bars. We see somebody running and being chased. But Lord, the consequences are far more than that. They're spiritual consequences. And Lord, teach us not to steal. Teach us to be content with what you've given us, to be good stewards of it, to be faithful, consistent with your heart's desire. Now, Lord, as we come to this invitation time, I pray your Holy Spirit now would just move across this auditorium Touch our hearts, touch our lives, Lord. Bring us to decision. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Now, while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, would you give your attention, just rivet your attention these next few moments to this invitation time? It's the Lord's invitation to you, really. The devil will do everything he can to keep you from drawing a circle around your life and thinking about yourself relative to this issue. So could you do that for these next few moments? Would you do that? Would you say, dear Lord, is there any way in the world that I have taken advantage? Maybe I've taken advantage of company time. Maybe I've taken advantage of company perks. Maybe I've taken advantage of company products. Maybe I've taken advantage of another person. Maybe I've taken advantage of the government. Maybe in one of many ways I have stolen. Would you let the Lord deal with your heart there? In your heart of hearts, would you settle it with the Lord? Lord, I want to be a person who, who, who takes what you trust to me and is a steward of it in the proper way. Can you do that? Would you let God deal with you on that? And would you, between you and God, would you just right now tell God what's on your heart and the desires of your life? And while you're doing that, I want to speak 
to others here this evening. In a few moments, we're going to stand and we're going to have a time of invitation. This is your invitation to come, first of all, to Christ. Inevitably, there are people in a congregation that would say, look, I don't know for sure if I died, I would go to heaven. My wife shared her testimony with our new members about how for many years she was a church member but not saved. And it could be you're a church member, but you've never really repented and believed in Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. There are not a lot of roads that lead to heaven. There's just one. It's Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who died for you because the wages of sin is death. And that's why he can give the gift of God, which is eternal life. And if your heart's desire tonight is to trust in Jesus, to turn from your way, to turn to him, I want to encourage you, when we stand in a few moments, make your way to this altar, find one of these counselors, and say, look, I'm trusting Jesus tonight. I'm trusting Jesus tonight, just like the testimony we heard in the baptistry this evening. Would you do that? You can, see, you can go home knowing that if you died, you'd go to heaven, that Christ is your Savior and that you have his abundant and eternal life your invitation to say yes to him. And if you're a member of this church and God's speaking to your heart and you have some prayer need, I'm going to ask you to come and just kneel at this altar. Some have already come. Others may want to just come. And this altar's for you and our prayer warriors will be coming. And you'll be joining these who are coming to trust in Jesus. And then I'm going to ask those of you who've made decisions in recent days, such as the one who has baptized you, and we haven't introduced you. Maybe you joined our church this morning. We didn't introduce you this morning. Well, would you come be seated over here to your right where it says seating for new members so we can meet you at the close of the service? And if God's speaking to your heart about becoming a part of First Southern, would you do this? Would you just step out into the aisle in a few moments when we stand and come find a counselor and say, look, I'm coming to join the church or we're coming to join the church. Maybe you're a student. You want to come by watch care. Maybe you've just moved here. Maybe you've been looking for a church home. This is your invitation to come and just settle it with God this evening. So would you do that? Could you do that this evening? Would you just make up your mind? I'm going to say yes to Jesus this evening, all right? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let's stand together. Father in heaven, I pray, trusting that your Holy Spirit would bring to this altar every one of us who will say yes to you this evening. And I pray it in Jesus' wonderful and Jesus' saving and Jesus' matchless name, amen. Let's begin singing. Folks are already coming. Would you just come?